Our scripture reading this morning is found in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verses 24 through 31. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the cattle according to their kinds and everything that creeps upon the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed, which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening. And there was morning, a sixth day. I ask God's blessing on the reading of his word. This morning we begin a sermon series for the next three weeks on caring for creation. And uh, this week we're going to kind of talk about how uh, caring for creation represents our connection with God. And next week we're going to kind of talk about how caring for creation connects us one to another. And, you know, this, this series, I got to say, has been long in coming. Uh, ever since I got here, there have been a lot of folks in the congregation who have said, you know, we need to, we need to really embrace uh, some greening, you know, concepts, some greening efforts as a church, as a people of God, and, and you know, had a great case there. And I said, you know, let's Let's have that, you know, I agree, we ought to really examine how we as a church are caring for creation. And I, I kind of been holding a, a group of people back who have been anxious to really do some things around the issues of the environment and things like that because I wanted to have this conversation. I wanted to, as a whole church, to really examine the issues of the environment from a faith perspective. And then to have a conversation about what we as a church can do together so that we might be 
you know, seek the mind of Christ together as the whole body of Christ uh, here at First Baptist Church. So the third week, we're going to have a special worship service that will involve having that conversation that we want to have, asking the question, so what do we as a church, what can we do to better reflect this stewardship of God's creation? So uh, I really want to emphasize, you know, you should be here every week to be honest, but uh, I really want to emphasize, be here on the 16th and be a part of this special service and be a part of that conversation. Because what I hope comes out of that are certain ideas and recommendations that ultimately will go to the board and maybe become a way of doing things around here, affect, uh, affect the way we do church and the way we do things as a church uh, with policies or, or at least programs that will help us do that. So out of your conversation and your input will come things that impact the church. So you'll want to be here to have your voice heard and to contribute to seeking the mind of Christ. So this is our, this is our series, and uh, the Sunday school class is actually even going beyond that into the, the rest of the weeks of, of uh, October. So uh, Today's text, we focus in right at the beginning, Genesis, right? Uh, and it's a familiar story. This is the, uh, the priestly telling of the creation story. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but there's really two creation stories in Genesis. There's chapter 1 up to about chapter 2, verse 4 or so. And then there's another creation story where, you know, Adam is created and then the rib, the whole rib story, right? And that's a, that's a story that's a, that's a more ancient telling of creation, a more ancient story that comes out of the oral tradition. But this, this story in Genesis, the seven-day creation uh, liturgy that we read in Genesis 1, really comes to us from a group of priests. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later but it is this telling of the and today's text focuses in on the sixth day the last day of work for uh you know it's friday for god on this way you know he's counting the clock right he's looking at the clock checking things out the sixth day we got uh, god has some things to get done and creates the animals and the the birds of the air and the bugs Right, even get brought up in the middle of that. God created the animals and proceeded to create human beings in God's own image, we are told in Scripture today. God then empowers the humans to have dominion and to subdue creation and points to the plants as a resource for food. I've provided everything you need, but I, you, know, you are needed to... to care after to have dominion over and then god in a final declaration says it is good it is very good creation is and i gotta say this text for a lot of years and in a lot of circles has come to mean for many that the earth is ours to exploit to have dominion has often come down to mean to have domination over the earth and to subdue it has meant that to bend it to our own will and to use it up uh, as we would determine many have taken it to mean that it's 
that it's ours uh, to, uh, to use up and just throw away. And part of this thinking rests on the notion that ultimately God will be destroying everything anyway and fixing it on God's own. And so why not use it up while we can? Because quite frankly, any day now, God is just going to wipe everything out and start over anyway, right? This, this kind of dispensational thinking that has been going on in evangelical circles for the last 200 years or so has said, you know, don't worry about it because God is going to, to wipe everything out. Now, I'm not, not, there's not a whole lot of people who think that way, but it certainly has, has influenced our culture as Christians uh, that somehow we are given the earth for ours to use. But to me, this seems like a very strange reading of things. For, my first objection, and this comes back to what I was saying earlier, my first objection and observation is that the context of this creation story in Genesis is grounded not at the beginning, but actually in the time it was written. You see, we tend to try to see this text in the time it was talking about, right? At the moment of creation. But to be honest, this text offers no real insight to the moment of creation. Rather, it offers us of insight into who was writing it and when they were writing it and what they were writing it about. You know, uh, and I, I maybe this is a, a shocking thing to say, so maybe let me pause and just say, yes, this was not a, the priest writing this story was not having a vision of God creating the universe. The priest writing this story said, God created, and when God created, God gave us certain things. And this priest wrote this story to speak to the people of those priests' time. And that time was really about 600 to about 540 B.C before our current era here, in the time of the exile, when the people of God were the, in, in, in 540, uh, I mean in, in uh, uh, 598, I'm trying to remember my dates, in 598, Jerusalem was sacked by Nebuchadnezzar and his army, and the temple was destroyed, and, and the people of God were exiled out of Jerusalem, out of Israel, and into Babylon. And while they were there, there was a group of priests who said, we don't want to end up like the northern kingdom when the Assyrians came in and just get absorbed into Babylonia. We want to maintain our cultural identity. We want to maintain our religion. And so they did this by writing down stories that undergirded who we are as a people, who they were as, a, as the people of God. Emphasizing things like the, the eating laws, you know, the, the food laws that, that kind of separated them from the other cultures they were infiltrated with, right? And emphasizing the Sabbath day, which begins right here at Genesis, the Sabbath day, which is the next text we look at after this one. Uh, if you read further, it undergirds the Sabbath day. And some other laws that really helped the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, the people of God, maintain their own identity. And what this text has said to the people of God in exile is... God created us to be in communion with God and to care after all of creation. 
And when you say to a people who are oppressed, when you say to a people who are in exile, when you say to a people who are imprisoned that you have power, you have dominion in creation, and you have the ability and the calling to subdue creation, it's an empowering thing to say. So this was about him, as much about empowering a people of God as it, as it was giving people a mandate to subdue the earth and use it up and throw it away. So that's, my, that's kind of my first objection, is that this story really finds its grounding in the people of God being in exile. Yeah, and you can see how this would be empowering to people. I mean, th- and the other thing is that this is a remnant of, of the Hebrew people are sent into Babylon, a remnant, a small portion, a lot of folks who weren't there before weren't there. And so when you say be fruitful and multiply to a group of people in exile, what you're saying is we need to build up our people so that we will last, so we will continue, so that we will be a people in the future. So be fruitful and multiply is not about getting 10 billion people on the planet. It's about surviving as the people of God, right? So, it's, you know, this text is grounded in its understanding to the people it was written to, to the first readers. And it helps us, I think, when we read these stories to hear them being said to the people it was originally intended to say it to. So, all of this is to say that to apply this text to the way it has been used over the millennia seems to ignore that original context and the original audience. So all of this, it kind of begs the question, so what does this have to do with caring for creation, Pastor Curtis? What do you, what do you, you know, what do you get? Are you filling time or are you really going somewhere here? And uh, what I want to say is I'm coming to that. <laughs> I'm getting there. And uh, if we, if we read on into Genesis 2, we hear a story about at the center of the garden there is a tree, a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, a tree of life planted by God. And Adam and Eve are told, don't eat of that tree. And in this, God invites us to exercise a certain amount of freedom and to make choices that point to the goodness and grace of God. Or we can make choices that... that come out of selfishness and destruction and God plants this tree and says I'm giving you choices here you can choose to eat this fruit or you can choose not to but I'm telling you no don't (laughs) but God doesn't prevent us from doing this you know in the same way when we observe that God created the cosmos The invitation to have dominion over it really serves as a kind of test as well, as a kind of invitation to freedom as well, a kind of inviting us to exercise that freedom that we have been given. God created, but that creation was not finished. It continues. And you and I have been entrusted with it. What will they do? I can hear God asking when I give them stewardship over all of creation. Will they see creation as something for their own selfish benefit? Or will they embrace it as a covenant and a communion between myself and all of humanity, God asks. There is indeed something of God in all parts of this world. The writers of Genesis are trying to tell us that in creation, God poured out 
God's self. And it was good. And it was very good. There is a reason people feel close to God when they're out in the wilderness. We were kind of talking about that this morning. Is that, that too often, people don't spend time outside in the wilderness or in the, even outside the way they used to. You know, the television screen has replaced so much of our activity. But we can look, and, you know, it's an amazing thing when we get out there and we start to look around. You know, we can look at a car or we can look at a television and we understand that some people in a factory somewhere, probably a third world country, built that. And we can explain it, and we can even take credit for it. I made that television. I made that car. I made that bit of thing that we may or may not need. But out in the wilderness, we can't even begin to create what we see out there. From the grandeur of the mountains to the micro-world that is in the grass beneath our feet, how wonderful and how complex the world is. How it all cries out to the glory of God. And we see, in God, we see God in the wilderness because there is a bit of God in all of creation and we intuitively know that we are somehow connected to it. God made it all good and then says to us, will you take care of it? It will take care of you if you take care of it. And God has entrusted us to do just that. It's an amazing word in trust. What an amazing thing that the Creator of all the universe, the God of gods, the Holy of holies, the great, mighty Yahweh, the Creator of heaven and earth, the One in whom we live and move and have our being has looked to us and said, you know what, I trust you to care after all that I have poured myself into. I'm entrusting you with it. Now, many of you right now are looking around and going, well, we didn't do a very good job, have we? <laughs> we haven't been doing that very well. You know, I, and I understand that. You're right. Things are, things are, we're pretty selfish as a human race. We're pretty selfish and self-absorbed. And we have a pretty short view. But you know what? I'm, I'm not as cynical as all that. I think... I think people of God, I think we have the ability to really hear that invitation coming from God and to embrace it and to run with it as a calling. And I really, I feel that we are coming to a point even now when humanity will look around and say, wait a minute, uh, this is our connection to God and we can't let it get destroyed. We can't let it we can't let our own selfish needs destroy what God has poured God's self into. I think we have it in us. I've, you know, I'm a historian in a lot of ways. I, I, I'm a history major. And as I look back, it's amazing to me how many times I've seen people pull together for the common good. And I think even just now, just thinking of times like the Depression when we were forced to pull together because there wasn't much around, but we did. And how incredible that is. For anyone who's lived, who lived through that, you know what I'm talking about. And I think of World War II where, you know, I'm not particularly happy that it takes a war for us to pull together, but we really did, didn't we? I mean, 
food stamps and and you know we're going to talk about that a little bit in sunday school but it's an incredible moment in our history as a culture to say you know what we're all sacrificing in order to do something good well now is such a time the world is calling out to us and saying now is a crisis yes it's not uh, the great depression and no it's not a war that is the crisis it is a crisis of the world is being depleted and it's costing people their lives and are we as the people of God going to embrace a calling to care after creation Wallace Stegner who you may or may not know is an, he's kind of a local author he, he he went to University of Utah speaking of which I'm I'm so sorry about Washington trouncing U of U yesterday I really am sorry about that. <laughs> it happens. It happens. But anyway, so anyway, uh, uh, William, William Stegner, he was a great historian, novelist, and environmentalist. And he wrote this, Something will have gone out of us as a people if we ever let the remaining wilderness be destroyed. If we permit the last virgin forests to be turned into comic books and plastic cigarette cases. If we drive the few remaining members of wild species into zoos or into extinction. If we pollute the last clean air and dirty the last clean streams and push our paved roads through the last of the silence. Indeed, something will have gone out of us if we do not let love abide and protect this earth that is our charge, that is our calling, that is our connection to God, that is our holy communion every time we breathe in air, every time we smell the flowers, every time we feel the rain drops on our lips. It is our calling and our communion with God. Let us pray. Creator God, we thank You. We thank You, we thank You for the trust that You have given us. May we respond to that invitation to care after all of creation by standing up and saying, Here I am, Lord. Call me. And may we together as the people of God learn how to be a witness of how great Your creation is by how we care after it. Knowing that by extension we care after all of humanity in that as well. We ask all these in the precious and powerful name of Christ. Amen.